1: Well, it's another beautiful day full of positive news. Let's go ahead and read some of the top headlines here from the New York Times. This is just from today. We have live coverage of the Canadian protests. We have the hate crimes trial for the Arbery killing. We have the coronavirus pandemic. Well, those seem like delightful topics to read about. Scrolling down a little bit further, we have other lighthearted topics like the Ukrainian crisis and a potential war with Russia, that seems like a lot of fun. If we go down just slightly further on the page, we can see that Trudeau is invoking a national emergency in a push to end protests. And even Canadians are baffled by the chaos going on in Canada. So it seems like another beautiful day in friendly Canada. Moving down a little bit further, we have some other delightful headlines like record levels of pedestrian deaths as reckless driving surges. How bad is the Western drought? It's the worst in 12 centuries. Navy nuclear engine pleads guilty in a submarine espionage case. That sounds like a fun read. And then highlighted right here on the front page of the New York Times is the great read. An Undiscovered Coronavirus? the mystery of the Russian flu. Scrolling a little bit further down, we get even more positive news. China, not SpaceX, may be the source of rocket parts crashing into the moon. Texas is suing Facebook parent over facial recognition. Nicaragua seizes universities, inching towards dictatorship. There's really nothing like it. You can open up the news every single day, and these are the fun topics that they present us with. Now, of course, this is nothing new. We know the psychology behind bad news, the reason that it continues to dominate the headlines. News organizations Have figured out a long time ago that people are more drawn to negative news, to depressing stories. Without even realizing it, for whatever reason, we're drawn to this stuff. We like focusing on it. Peter Lynch talks about this phenomenon of negative news and how it relates to investing. He specifically outlines that way back in the day, when really the only outlet for negative news was cable television, investors started to become concerned every single weekend after their five day work week. On the weekends, they'd watch cable TV, they'd get scared after watching cable TV, and then they would sell stocks on Mondays. And Peter Lynch realized the correlation between bad news over the weekend and selling stocks on Monday. In
0: fact, from 1955 to 1985, the stock market uh, went up a grand total of 1,000 points, but it was down 800 on Mondays. So it was down, it was therefore up 1,800 on non-Mondays. It wasn't an accident. The stock market went down. October the 19th, 87 was a Monday. People over the weekend become economists and portfolio strategists.
1: Have you seen that happen recently? A lot of people give you their in-depth economic update. People are suddenly becoming economists. Have you had a lot of sudden experts on Russia and Ukraine give you their in-depth analysis on the situation? Focusing on weekend news causes people to morph from investors into economists. People morph from investors into foreign affairs experts. It might seem new to us, if you're a younger investor, new to the market. It might seem like all of this stuff is new and groundbreaking. And while it's new for us, these type of concerns have existed all throughout history.
0: I think it's very viable. I think while younger people are better investors is they're not worried. They haven't heard about all these crises. And they're with children. I think if you don't have any kids, you've got to rent some kids for the weekend. You
1: know, get a seven-year-old and ask him if he knows about the money supply, you know, how fast it's grown. Over the past two months, we've had tons of people talk about the money supply, causing massive amounts of inflation. And Peter Lynch is saying, ask a child, an eight-year-old, what is their opinion on the money supply?
0: Ask if he knows about the shape of the yield curve is the wrong shape of the yield curve.
1: Ask an eight-year-old what their opinion is on the inverted yield curve. See what answer they give you.
0: Or that we're 48.3 months into the economic recovery and the average recovery has last 52.3 months. You know, ask an eight-year-old if they know about that. Eight-year-olds have a very high expectation about the next 20 years. That's what you need to do. The more you get away from eight-year-olds, the more you get away from 11-year-olds, the more you start reading these crazy things you read over the weekend.
1: He points out that children are naturally optimistic. They look forward to the future. In their eyes, they have no concerns, they have no stresses, they have nothing to worry about. We don't become pessimists and cynics until we become older and read the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Then we start becoming worried about everything that goes on in the world. And Peter Lynch thinks that this cynicism actually makes you a worse investor.
0: I don't worry about that. I know we've had uh, 96 years of century and the market's fallen 53 times. We've had 53 declines of 10% or more. So 53 declines in 96 years, once every two years, we have a 10% decline.
1: Once every two years, we have a 10% decline. So basically every year we have a 50% chance of having a 10% decline. This isn't something unusual or out of the ordinary.
0: Of the 53 declines, 15, one five, have been 25% more. So 15 in 96 years, but once every six years, the market falls 25% more. That's what we call a bear market, You know, you know that. And it's gonna happen. I don't care when it's going to happen.
1: Why aren't people shocked when Peter Lynch says that? He says, I don't care when a bear market happens. If you went and said that nowadays, a lot of people would be shocked. Why don't you care? Don't you want to position your portfolio? Don't you want to change your strategy? To Peter Lynch, a 25% drop didn't matter. He doesn't care. This is the mentality of an investor that doubled the market over 13 years straight
0: doesn't make a difference to me. Corporate profits will be a lot higher eight years from now, a lot higher 16 years from now, a lot higher 30 years from now. That's what I deal with.
1: He focuses on corporate profits, i.e. the earnings growth of companies. He buys holdings in companies that will earn more money eight years from now and 16 years from now. And he doesn't get scared out of those positions because of the ongoing short-term fares. Now, I know that all this news is really concerning, but for an investor, this can actually be an opportunity. When there's big scary news in the headlines, like Russia and Ukraine, when there's news of potential recessions, when there's this type of really concerning news, in some cases, it can mean opportunity. And to help me find opportunities in the stock market, I developed a new tool. It's called the Dip Finder. This is a brand new tool as part of Qualtrum. So now not only does Qualtrum include Insights, which is the fundamental analysis tool, it also includes the Dip Finder. This tool allows you to easily see where your companies are trading, which ones are in a dip and which ones have a price surge. They're in the opposite of a dip. So whether you're buying or selling, this can come in really handy. For example, I plugged in every single holding in my portfolio. This is the passive income account. We have Apple and Microsoft and Costco and Vici, Starbucks, and so on and so forth. This is every holding in the portfolio. After plugging in those ticker symbols, the dip finder creates a visual illustration showing you which companies are in a dip and which ones are in a price surge. The way that it does this is by calculating The price versus the 200 day simple moving average this is a mathematical formula to illustrate which companies are in a dip and which ones are in a price surge for example we can look at t-row price this company is in the biggest dip in my portfolio it's currently down 27 percent below its 200 day moving average well we can look at a price chart of t-ro and see what this looks like the stock was trending up throughout the beginning part of the year And then just in the past couple of months, it's basically given up all of its returns. It's down 35% just from its recent high. That's why the dip finder shows this one as the biggest dip in my portfolio. Next up, we have Starbucks. This one's down 16% from its 200-day moving average. So this company's not in quite as big of a dip as T. Rowe Price, but it's still in a pretty substantial dip. It's down 20% from its recent high just a couple months ago. So Starbucks and T. Rowe Price are the two companies in my portfolio that have sold down the most. The other ones that are down a little bit is Target, Disney, and Nike, they're all down 10 or 11% from their 200 day moving average. That's not a significant dip, but it's a little bit of a trade down. So I might look at those ones as well. On the other end of the spectrum, the ones that are in the positive are Apple and Costco. This means that not only are they not in a dip, they're also surging a little bit. For instance, Apple's up 20% over just the past couple of months. So that's all this tool does. It doesn't show you anything about the fundamentals of the company, that's what Qualtrum Insights is for, but the dip finder shows you at a glance The movement of your portfolio. I can visually see which companies are trading which direction, which ones are in a significant dip, which ones are trading somewhat flat, and which ones are moving up in price. I get an overview at any given time of the movement of every company. And during times of significant concern and uncertainty, like we're seeing right now, the markets tend to become very turbulent. When there's a lot of market turbulence and a lot of fear and uncertainty, sometimes companies can get sold off in the midst, even though they're not deserving of being sold off. So with my $6,000 of cash, I wanna look at potential buys in my portfolio. And I'll be focusing on the ones that have the biggest dip. First, we have T. Rowe Price. T. Rowe Price has always been a smaller holding in my portfolio. It's a money management company. So far, it's given decent gains, but with this sell-off, it might be a new opportunity. If we look at T. Rowe Price and Qualtram Insights, and again, all this software is available as part of the Patreon. You can try it out for free. There's a link in the description. It comes with a free trial. So there's no risk with it But you can plug in T. Rowe Price and look at some of the fundamentals here The company trades at a really reasonable valuation It's an 11 Ford P.E. So it trades at a relatively low P.E. ratio They're growing their revenue over time. They're growing their EBITDA very quickly. They're growing their free cash flow very steadily. They're growing their net income as well. So everything looks good in terms of their current trends. They have no debt to speak of. This is a completely debt-free company and they have currently $3.4 billion of cash. So this is a cash-rich business and they pay a steady growing dividend with special dividends given out every once in a while. Now, if we look at the earnings per share of this company, we can see that they're growing their earnings at a rapid pace. This is incredibly fast earnings growth, and this is probably why the stock has done so well up until recently. But one thing I noticed with T. Rowe Price is if we look back on the last recession, the earnings plummeted. They went from $0.56 to $0.09 in one quarter. The recession really hurt T. Rowe Price, because remember, this is a money manager. If we go into a prolonged bear market and a recession... The market will go down people will sell out of their portfolio and that will hurt the earnings of t-row price because they make money based on their assets under management so my assumption is the reason that this company is selling down right now is investors are becoming concerned of a recession if we have another repeat recession of 2008 we could see the eps plummet like it did back then i assume that's investors biggest concern about this company is the potential for recession or a prolonged bear market. Now, outside of the earnings, this company is also doing share buybacks. They went from 245 million shares in 2017 to 226. Overall, T. Rowe Price is a fundamentally strong, attractively valued company that's been growing its earnings like crazy. So I think the big question, at least in the near term, facing T. row Price, do you really think that we're on the verge of recession and if so how long do you plan to hold this company? Waiting three years for a company to recover can be painful, it can be difficult. That's a little bit of what we're doing right now with Disney. It requires a lot of patience to wait that long for a company to recover. So in my opinion, this company is very strong on a fundamental basis over a long period of time, but it is questionable in the short term. Moving on to Starbucks, it has some similar concerns as T. Rowe Price. I recently purchased $25,000 of the stock after a 20% fall when it fell to $96 a share. Now, like I expect with many of my new holdings, it traded down a little bit lower, It's next to impossible to time the exact bottom of a company. Trying to buy it the day that it trades down the most is something you're just not gonna be able to do. So I bought it at $96 a share. It's traded down to $93.65, so it's down a few percentage, and it could go lower. Maybe the company will trade down to $90 a share or $85 or $80. That's something that's a possibility. If Starbucks continues to trade down into the 80s and the low 80s, I'm going to be deploying this $6,000 into Starbucks and increasing my position size, compounding my share count. Right now, the company's facing all sorts of bad news and concerns of recession, concerns of logistics, concerns of inflation. There's lots of things this company's facing, but I see a lot of positive catalysts in the future so i may be buying a little bit more of t-row price as this one trades down and i might also buy more starbucks this is one i'm going to be watching very closely over the next year if it trades down into the low 80s I will be buying more of this company. I am very confident in its future prospects outside of these short-term concerns. I think that soon enough, Starbucks will return to its recent high of 126. This company has incredible earnings growth, great brand value, same-store sales comps that are growing year over year. It has 20% growing app usage and better user lock-in. And while all that's happening, the Omicron virus has gone down like crazy. So overall, the economy is starting to open back up people are starting to travel again. This should be a huge catalyst for Starbucks. Now going back to the dip finder, we can look at the other companies that are in a minor dip. We have Target, Disney, and Nike. All of these are down around 10 to 11% from their 200 day moving average. Let's first start off with Target. This is a long-term holding for me. I've owned it for a couple of years. I've over doubled my money so far with the company. So at the question of whether or not I should be buying this dip and adding to the stock, we can take a look at the fundamentals. Target trades at a Ford PE of 16. That's not necessarily expensive in my opinion. It's growing its revenue, its EBITDA, free cash flow and net income. It has moderate debt, 11.5 billion, and it has 5.75 billion in cash. So it has a little bit more debt than it has cash, not something we love to see, but I think that's okay. And Target's actually a decent dividend pair. It pays a rapid and consistently growing dividend. Now, one thing that's interesting about Target is the earnings per share graph, and this is where I actually become concerned. We have the natural growth before 2020, then right at 2020, you might notice something. The earnings per share go up almost double in one quarter. This EPS is double what it was prior to the pandemic. Now when I look at this, I become concerned that the reason that their earnings doubled so suddenly and went so far above their normal trend was because of the pandemic and the record level of stimulus given out to everyone. Everyone's pockets were stuffed with cash from the federal government and you can see that people spent that money and they spent a lot of it at Target. So the earnings jumped up over double what they were prior to the pandemic now while that's a good thing for target in the short term i think this creates a difficult setup for them for them to continue keeping this high of earnings they have to sell so much just to keep the same store sales consistent with where they were last year and i think that this boost from the pandemic may actually make it more difficult for target to keep this level of growth in the future Their comps from last year are gonna be so difficult to compete with. Now they're also doing a lot of share buybacks over the past couple of years, going from 556 million in 2017 down to 480 million. But overall, I look at Target as a very fundamentally strong company, trading at a decent valuation. This company got a huge boost from the stimulus, and I'm not sure if they're gonna continue keeping that level of growth in the future. If we compare Target to Costco, for instance, Costco's trading at a much more expensive valuation, It has a 41 PE ratio. And a lot of people might think that that PE ratio is insane. Why would people pay so much for Costco over a company like Target? But the fundamental difference in their business model is Target earns its money through selling products. Costco earns its money through memberships. So while Target has to continually sell more and more every single year to grow their earnings, Costco has to sell more memberships. And once they have the members, they continue to earn that money from them every single year, especially with price increases. So you might notice that Costco's EPS growth doesn't look as dramatic as targets, but that's because more of their earnings growth is tied to memberships than it is product sales. Costco has intentionally low margins and they earn their money through memberships. And I think that huge difference in business model makes it so that Costco's earnings growth in the future is far more reliable. Now, the other companies in a meaningful dip were Disney and Nike. Disney's a company that I already have a substantial holding in, $21,200. $21,200. This one has been struggling. It's recovering from the pandemic. It's growing its earnings. It's a long-term story, and I'm still bullish on Disney, but I'm not really adding at these prices. If the dip finder shows that Disney continues to sell down and it just goes down further and further, I'll continue to look at this company. But as of right now, with it trading at 150 a share, I think there's better opportunities. And then Nike is the other one that's in a minor dip. Nike's a small holding of mine. I only have a few thousand dollars in it, and it's remained a small holding my entire portfolio life because this company is always fundamentally expensive. If I look at it, it has a Ford PE ratio of 30, that is a very high P.E. ratio for a clothing company. That's more expensive than Apple and Facebook and Google. It's a very expensive company based on a P.E. ratio, and it's expensive based on a price-to-sales ratio of 4.7. So Nike remains fundamentally an expensive company. You combine that with the fact that they only have moderate revenue growth, moderate EBITDA growth, moderate free cash flow growth, and it doesn't look super appealing. The EPS growth is moderate and consistent, nike is a very wide moat company very unlikely to be disrupted i think this earnings per share growth will go on for a long period of time but this just isn't fast enough earnings per share growth for the company to be priced what it currently is the company also has a very solid balance sheet 15 billion dollars in cash 9 billion dollars in debt a net cash position of 5.69 billion dollars so nike remains a fundamentally strong wide moat company that will continue to grow in the future but it's just trading at too high of a price even with this dip I think this company is too expensive. So I won't be adding to my Nike position. For now, this one is just a hold. So after looking at the dip finder and seeing which companies have traded down the most in my portfolio, I see the biggest opportunity in T. row Price and Starbucks. That's the reason that I originally invested in this company. If Starbucks continues to trade down, I'll buy more of it and I'll be buying a little bit more of T. Row Price. Both these companies, of course, are vulnerable to a recession. Both of them will likely trade down during a recession, but they'll be able to outlive any recession. Starbucks only had minor revenue declines during the last recession and T. Rowe Price has zero debt and billions of dollars in cash. This company will be able to make it through a recession. So in the short term, that might be a concern. But right now, I still think even with those possibilities that both of these companies are currently undervalued. Now, if you want to try out this software and plug in your own portfolios, your own holdings and see how it looks, you can do so for free. There is a free trial. You join the Patreon, you don't pay up front, you have a free trial. You can try it out and see if you like it. I'll put a link to the Patreon in the pinned comment. So my strategy has not changed. I'm going to continue looking for opportunities, sell-offs, specific dips in companies, and trying to take full advantage of this turbulence. That's all for today. I'll see you in the next one.